go. Welcome back, my friends. The podcast never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. This is me. Mike. That is him. And uh, what are we going to do today? We're talking about the mummy's hand. Ooh. <laughs> uh, produced by Universal Studios. It was released September 20th, 1940, uh, with a budget of $80,000. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Damn. The film begins with Egyptian Andoab, who's played by George Zucco, who... Um, Remember in uh, the Burbs, the old guy, um, not not Henry, uh, the old man with the dog. No, the Klopex. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, the yeah. brother of 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 the Illinois Nazi. Yeah, of Henry Turner. Yeah, or, yeah. not Henry Turner. I know. <laughs> Henry Gibson. Henry Gibson. God damn, I know. Well, I what's know. really funny is this: is George Zucco. I, I believe it's him. Zucco, yeah. Zucco. Yeah, George Zucco. Um, or Zuko. Fuko, fucko. Who cares? Um, looks just like him. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, traveling to the Hill of the Seven Jackals in answer to the royal summons. I'm sorry. Eduardo Cl- Cianelli. That's who it is, not George Zuko. Uh, the high priest of Karnak. This Eduardo Cl- C- uh, Cianelli is the one that looks like one of the Klopeks. Uh, the dying priest of the sect explains the story of Karis, uh, the mummy played by Tom Tyler, yeah. to his follower. The tale closely parallels that of the original film, except that Karis steals the sacred Tana leaves in the hope of restoring life to the dead Princess Ananka. His penalty upon being discovered is to be buried alive without a tongue, and the Tana leaves are buried with him. The leaves are the secret to Karis's continued existence. During the cycle of the full moon, the fluid from the brew of three Tana leaves is to be administered to the creature to keep him alive. Should the spoilers enter the tomb of the princess, a fluid of nine leaves will restore movement to the monster. Meanwhile, down on his luck, archaeologist Steve Banning, who's played by Dick Foran, and his sidekick, Babe Jensen, Wallace Ford, it's kind of like, um, it's like a, it's it, the, the buddy movies of that time and era were trying to do the Hope and Crosby thing. Yeah. Or uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy. Well, Howard or and Costello. Yeah, but... Um, the guy that's playing Steve Banning isn't isn't uh he he's a straight man to this guy Babe Jensen. Mm-hmm. They discover the remains of a broken vase in in a Cairo bazaar. Banning is convinced it is an authentic ancient Egyptian relic, and his interpretation of the hieroglyphics hieroglyphics the hieroglyphs on the piece lead him to believe it contains clues to the location of Princess Anantka's tomb. Now, if you take all of this and you throw it into the very first Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. It's the same exact movie. Really? Yes. Um, with few exceptions. With the support of the eminent Dr. Petrie of the Cairo Museum, but against the wishes of Andoab, who is also employed by the museum, Banning seeks funds for his expedition. Banning and Jensen meet an American mu- uh, magician named Salvani, who's played by Cecil Kellaway, who agrees to fund their quest. His daughter, Marta, is not so easily swayed thanks to a prior visit from Andueb, who brands the two young archaeologists as frauds. Now, again, substitute Salvani and Marta for the brother and sister in The Mummy. Yeah. Same characters, um, except uh, Salvani is not, um, is, is not an inept moron, you know, and the daughter is, is she's actually... Um, uh, a well-written, strong character, um, not not a scholar like in in the uh, 
in the Brendan Fraser movie, but again, along the same lines, a very strong, a strong-willed woman. Yeah, she does a lot of the. She, she she's in a lot of the scenes where she's asking all these questions, very smart questions and things like that. They wrote these characters really well, actually. The expedition departs in search of the hills of the Seven Jackals with Silvani's tagging with the Silvani's tagging along. In their explorations, they stumble upon the tomb of Karis. Finding the mummy along with the Tanalees, but finding nothing to indicate the existence of Ananka's tombs. <clears throat> it starts off with them actually. So they get to the Seven Hills, uh, the Hill of the Seven Jackals. I'm sorry, not the Seven Hills. And they have started doing the digging, okay? And a rock slide that is caused by uh, this Anduhab guy. Who's who's the bad guy? Well, he's you know like in in the Mummy, the Brendan Fraser version of the Mummy, yeah. where you have the museum curator who accidentally burns the map, yeah, to wherever intentionally, accidentally, right. yeah. Well, it's the same exact thing. Yeah, he was you know you have the museum curator who's looking at it's this Anuhab guy who's looking at this vase and saying oh it's a fake and then he drops it. Yeah. What's even cooler about this is there's music. That John Williams has lifted from this movie, okay, and used in Indiana Jones. Huh? I mean, full full on bars of music. So that, so, that and, so it's definitely inspiration. Oh, it was definitely an inspiration. This is a really good movie. Um, everything from I mean, they, they didn't go on location, obviously, but they did sets. The sets are amazing. The uh, the bar scene, you could take that bar and you can you can in put it right into the same bar that Brendan Fraser's character comes into. Yeah. When he's you know when they when they first find the mummy or when they get to the hotel or whatever. Yeah. It's the same exact fucking bar. Okay. In fact, I think the only thing that's missing is the uh, water fountain in it. Okay. And I'd have to double check that. I've got it on the I've got it on my DVR. Anyways, it's the same exact set almost the same exact style um down to the placement of where all the seats are. Yeah. And how the guys are sitting at the bar. So, like, when you see Brendan Fraser's character and he comes into the bar and he's sitting on the screen right, yeah, and then the old pilot comes in, well, the same exact fucking thing is these guys are sitting on screen right and they're talking to each other, mm-hmm. you know, and instead of, I, yeah, well, it's, it's Brendan Fraser and, um, um, the, and, the, and, and the brother, right? Yeah. And as they're talking, you know, all this other stuff is going on. Well, the difference is is that... <laughs> they're not looking for money, you know, to do this expedition. They've gotten back, and well, the mummy is is already, you know, been raised. Yeah, but it's it's almost exactly the same style of setup, the same style of photography. Um, <coughs> the the uh, like a, it's like scene for scene in terms of uh, a lot of the stuff that they did. Yeah. Um, the expeditions gets to, okay. So they they reach the uh, the the tomb of Ananka, and as that as the uh, the rocks have fallen, it actually accidentally dislodges some dirt, and they find a door. And the uh, the natives, the 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 digging crew that they hired, yeah. most of them run away because it's cursed. It's a cursed door. Uh, uh, Andahab appears to Doctor Petrie in the mummy's cave and is surprised. Uh, the scient- the surprise scientist feels the creature's pulse. After administering the Tana brew from Nine Leaves, the monster quickly dispatches Petrie and escapes with Andahab through a secret passage to the temple on the other side of the mountain. 
The creature continues his periodic marauding about the camp, killing an Egyptian overseer and eventually attacking Silvani and kidnapping Marta. Banning and Jensen set out to track down Karis, with Jensen going around the mountain and Banning attempting to follow the secret passage to have to uh, to the tomb that they have discovered. Andheb has plans of his own. Enthralled by Marta's beauty, he plans to inject himself and is captive with Tana fluid, making them both immortal. Jensen arrives in the nick of time and guns down Andahab outside the temple while Banning attempts to rescue the girl. However, Karis appears on the scene, and Banning's bullets have no effect on the immortal being. Martyr overheard Andahab telling the secret of the Tana fluid. <coughs> they're also in the temple at this time, so as they're in the temple, they're fighting, and Banning appears, and then the mummy knocks him into the ground. Jansen comes in, and the mummy beats the shit out of him. <laughs> and then they fucking knock down the Tana leaves. So the, what the mummy does is he, he bends over to drink the juice, and they fucking set him on fire, right? <laughs> you know? Um, <clears throat> uh, when the creature raises the Tana serum to his lips, Jensen shoots the container. Dropping to the floor, Karis attempts to ingest the spilled life-giving liquid. Banning seizes the opportunity to turn a brazier over onto the monster and engulfing it in flames. The ending has the members of the expedition heading happily to back to the United States with the mummy of Ananka and the spoils of her tomb. <laughs> so um, there's there's some weird moments in this movie where there's a beggar, uh, his name, but he's played by a guy named Sig. And he, he's like in almost every scene up until uh, the final chase. And what's going on is that this beggar works for, um, is it Andohab? Uh, um, give me a second. I'll find him. Professor Andohab. Or Andohab. Um, and what he's doing is he's basically the eyes and ears of this guy. Yeah. You know, anybody that talks about the mummy or knows where he, he, he either has the SIG guy go and find out what's going on, or Sig reports back to him. In fact, uh, Sig, the, the beggar guy, is in the bar scene right before the the big bar fight that happens, like which happens in most of these types of movies. <laughs> and he goes and reports back to Professor Andahab about what's going on and who's all involved. Andahab is able to go over and talk to the daughter of the of the uh, the magician, uh, who's Marta Silvani, um, and he's able to use this beggar to follow the team. And then, unfortunately, I mean, the, the beggar gets into a fight, and he tries to throw a knife at, you know, the, be- the, the good guy, Steve Banning. Who, of course, you know, you have that fucking rad name, right? I'm Steve Banning. And Banning shoots him fucking dead, right? Yeah. And, <clears throat> and that's when Anduheb shows up, knowing that something is wrong, and decides that he's going to help the mummy and then try to stop. You, you know, it's like the Raiders of the Lost Ark thing where, you know, the, the the Indiana the last crusade where you have um, the uh, the guys that are protecting the Grail, you yeah, know the the cruciform soul. Yeah, <laughs> the guys that are protecting the Grail. Well, he's basically doing the same thing, but he's trying to protect the mummy, uh-huh. you know, from being carted off as as a rich thing. So, really, if you want to look at it, Steve Banning and his friend Babe Jensen are the bad guys. The mummy is just. The mummy's not the bad guy. Yeah. You know, it's they're the ones that are looting his tomb. They're the ones that are in this country, right? And then they kill everybody. Yeah. And loot his tomb and go home rich, right? I mean, that's... America wins. Yeah, America. America. <laughs> America. And, and that's... But that's what's funny about it is that, I mean, 
we were watching a movie about these two guys that you know they they want to find riches and this and that and the other thing. And these guys want to protect their shit. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 why are you fucking <laughs> with me? I just want to find treasure. Yeah. Who's the bad guy? Right. Yeah. It's all about perspective. Right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, it's the usual mumbo-jumbo of secret tombs and crumbling temples and salacious old high priests guarding them against the incursions of an archaeological expedition. <laughs> uh, while the scientists busily explore dank passageways and decipher weird hieroglyphics on tombs and chests, jackals howl outside, the native work gangs mutiny, and the mummy is always just around the corner. Uh, once or twice, Miss Moran makes a grimace as if she caught an unpleasant odor and screams. Otherwise, everyone seems remarkably casual, which is true. If they don't seem to worry, why should we? Frightening or funny, take your choice. Um, I think this movie is about a 6 out of a 10. I agree with this guy's name is Graham Clark. This there, this was no eerie love story across the millennia. This was straight fright fair with Universal Studios' least love monster. Here in the form that viewers would know him best. Shambling, strangling, single-minded, and mute. A nice touch is that his eyes have been blacked out for close-ups, giving him an undead look. However... More than half the movie is over before we get to the creepy chase scenes. And that's the other thing is the mummy has a mask on. Yeah. And you can't see the face behind the mask because it's blacked out. And yeah. it was that's actually a pretty good effect, especially for a 1940s movie. So um, the runtime's pretty short on it. It's only 66 minutes. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is um, there's a the whole part of the mummy is that you can, if you feed him tanna leaves, like he can't move. Unless you feed them more tannin leaves, okay. right? So it wasn't just like three or six or nine or whatever. <laughs> like they had like a vase full of tannin leaves, and somebody had crushed all those tannin leaves down and fed it to the mummy. Yeah. So he could move his entire body, and and they were trying to make him immortal. The more tannin leaves that he drinks, the stronger he gets. Yeah. Right. So that's why he's trying to drink that tannin juice in, in order to loosen up. Yeah. To yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's to become immortal is really what it's all about. Yeah, and so he could go on and continue his rage. Well, in in parts of the movie where you see the mummy, he can only move like partial bits of his body. Yeah, so that was keeping with the entire thing, and that's what they kind of they kind of overlooked in some of the plot stuff is when he's given X amount of these tan this tanna leaf potion, he can move, but he's at the he's at the um, uh, what do you call it? He's at the mercy of of his master, yeah. as it were. So what happens is is that he's able to get more of this tannaleaf potion, and then he's able to move more. And the master, who is Endeheb, <coughs> uh, allows him to... Uh, they work together. Yeah. You know, and the mummy's just basically waiting until he has his chance. He's going to kill him anyways and move forward. But that ain't work out. <laughs> I uh I'm a big fan of these movies. I don't I, I love these old I have a collection. Um my mom had a DVD collection of uh the I think we have uh they're called the the Universal Leg- Monster Legacies uh-huh. collection and uh there's one with all the Draculas, uh one with all of the uh Wolfmans and the other one is either all of the mummies or all of the Frankensteins. I can't remember which one we, the other one we have. <laughs> so uh, to make the mummy appear more frightening, Tom Tyler's eyes, this is trivia, by the way, yeah. uh, were blacked out frame by frame in almost all the close-ups. So and that's that's pretty cool. Marta's trick six-shooter fires 10 shots, yet puts 12 holes in the door. <laughs> 
the largest impressive tomb set was originally built for Universal's Green Hell and appeared again in other Universal's features. Um, for the season in which the mummy was seen in close-up and medium shots, Jack B. Pierce's p- painstaking makeup technique of gluing strips of cotton on Tyler's face <coughs> to create deep wrinkles was employed, but in long shots, Tyler wears a time-saving rubber mask. The excavation scenes were shot on the Universal backlot in a rocky and desert-like section of the natural hills known as Gosman's Gulch, named after Russell Gosman, set director or decorator on this film and many other horror films. To give the Gulch a more canyon-like and wild appearance, it was augmented with artificial rock faces and boulders. By the way, the timeline of this movie is May 1940. Oh. An abbreviated comic book version was contained in the 1965 edition of Monster World No. 2. By the, it also began shooting late May and was released in September. <coughs> so May, June, and then uh, July, August, September. So it had basically two and a half months of uh, editing to do before it was released. Uh, part of the original shock theater package of 52 Universal titles released to television in 57, followed a year later with Son of Shock, which added 20 more features. Uh, the contract signed by Tim Sullivan in the bar of the Cairo Hotel is clearly dated 12 May 1940. Dick Foran's character here of, um, of an adventure archaeologist fascinated with ancient artifacts serves as partial inspiration for the later creation of Indiana Jones. <coughs> Several shots and sequences in this film are lifted directly from 1932's original version of The Mummy, the studio philosophy being why restage and reshoot something we've already got in the can. In all four Karis movies, The Mummy has a disfigured and presumably useless right arm. Tyler's right arm is bent out at the elbow with his hand on his chest, and Cheney's hand and arm are tight against his chest. However, both are quick to bring the arm out to full use when picking up the heroin in each movie. Also, both Tyler and Cheney were right-handed and both used their weaker hands to strangle their victims. Not a stretch if you consider that Tom Tyler was a powerlifting champion before he became an actor. And that's that. All right. Well, got to hand it to you. That was some good uh, trivia. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) All right. So yeah, you know what? There's a lot of classic uh, monster movies I, I've got to catch up on because I um, there's some that I still have never seen. I think uh, oh god, I think I watched the original Dracula a few years ago, and <laughs> god, HD is not kind to certain things, man. You can see the strings on certain things, like bats going by, You're like fuck. <laughs> but yeah, whatever, man. It's a there. Look, you wouldn't have what you have up to now without uh without the classics, right? So, um, <clears throat> And hell, you know, so a lot of times I respect the old shit a lot more than the new shit because the old shit they had to they had to think of all these clever ways to make things work. Where now you can just sit in front of a computer and spend you know fifty to two hundred million dollars to make it work, right? So um, you know, I'm not trying to take away that the effort that it takes to make a, any kind of computer effects, but I mean, still, you can do anything with a computer effect. I mean, just imagine though with a low budget and you know. Some fucking duct tape. <laughs> what are you going to do, you know, on a film set back then? Yeah, so, it took a little bit more ingenuity to come up with some of the special effects. Yeah, MacGyver shit, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I always forget what it was that they used, but it, I, it was fascinating what they used to um, to do the tornado in Wizard of Oz in the background. That was really fucking cool. It was a real effect that they did. But it looked like it was real. It looked like it was there was really a tornado going off in the background. And it was just water and a glass with... Like fucking Ovaltine is. It was something. I was fucking. It was amazing. It's what they used for the tele the teleporter stuff stuff in Star Trek. Uh-huh. Did you know that? No. It was water in a glass uh-huh. with little uh, glitter in it. Little sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, there we go. All right. 
You got anything else, Dad? No, I gotta I'm done. Do, I gotta pick more movies for uh, for Halloween month, huh? Because we only got two weeks left already. Shit. All right. Anyway, have a good one. Good night. All right, mommy.